Certainly my great pleasure along with my wife Cindy to be with you this morning. We are so thrilled to worship and to praise the name of Jesus together with you. Uh, in the table in the lobby there's two sheets. One is if you'd like to receive our email updates, please just uh, put your name and I will contact you or you can contact me. We put a my email and you can just say I'd like to receive that email update and we'll put you on that list for stories of what's happening in Scotland with all these amazing Muslim background people coming to know Christ. There's also a sheet for we have two new staff people who have joined our mission. One is a, a Muslim refugee who's became a Christian and now become a leader and now actually joined and is our first missionary supported. In fact, first Muslim background missionary we've heard of anywhere uh, across Europe. His name is Hadi Jafarazadeh. And then my daughter and her husband and we baby Zaya are also on our missionary team and we're raising uh, support for them. So if you'd like to pray about that, please do that. Let's just bow and ask the Lord by his Holy Spirit to guide us as we open the word. Today we're going to be looking at John chapter 11, uh, verses 38 to 46. Lord, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the privilege of allowing your authoritative scriptures to speak into our lives, to teach us, to guide us, to empower us, to convict us to encourage us. And so even now we want to invite that you, God, by the Holy Spirit would come and be our teacher, our guide in all that we review. You would apply, you would take these thoughts from John's gospel and help us to consider them and let them sink deep into us in accordance with what you want to do. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if we could bring up the first slide, uh, we'll go on from there. <clears throat> well, most of you know that, uh, as Jim has shared, beyond my teaching at the Theological College associated with the University of Manchester in England and branch students in Scotland, our ministry in Glasgow, Scotland, is now entirely focused on leading the Upper Room Church began as a small group out of our original church plant called the Mosaic Community, and out of it a small group that was formed just to reach out to growing numbers of particularly Muslim background refugees. Uh, a number of years ago became a church in its own right that we call the Upper Room, entirely made up of Muslim background people mainly from Iran, Iraq, Turkey, Syria, and Afghanistan. And to get started this morning, I want to introduce you to one of our new young men who have come to, he has come to us just in the past year. Because of live stream, I'm going to change his name. They will not be seeing his photo or his name on live stream to protect him and his family. So I will refer to him as Mehdi, although if you're here in the building, you see his proper name. I will say his name is Mehdi, 
And he is Kurdish Iraqi. And he is 16 years old. Why a 16-year-old kid all on his own as a refugee ending up in all places, the city of Glasgow in Scotland? When he first attended the Upper Room Church about one year ago, I asked, quote, Mehdi, through a Kurdish-speaking translator, why he had ended up in Glasgow all the way from a wee village in Iraq, in a Kurdish settlement. And this is what he said to me, a 16-year-old kid. I need a whole new life. I am looking for a brand new beginning, a new life. What is behind a 16-year-old kid, only 16 years old, and already needing a new life? This leads us beautifully into my hope this morning to share with you some thoughts from John's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 38 to 46, which have become hugely important for our work in the Upper Room Church generally, for people whose only experience with God, if any, is a religion that is deadening, far from life-giving, or the whole new life that Mehdi was seeking. I love this passage in John chapter 11 because it is not in the form of a theological argument. It is not in the form of propositional doctrine. It is in the form of what Bible scholars like to call a Jesus drama. Jesus teaching us the most profound truths through the most dramatic of moments, real historical moments in real life and death situations, death and life situations. And I also love this passage because I want to suggest to you that this is a drama, historically placed and literal in every respect, but a drama nonetheless, enacting Jesus, the one who actually commands life. So let's read these verses right now. This is the amazing account of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, a life and death situation, if there ever was one. But let's pick it up at verse 38. Jesus, therefore, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. 
But I knew that you always hear me. Nevertheless, because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Out came the man who had died, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. We can note, I would suggest to you, in the final verses of this miracle account, verses 41 to 46, how they easily arrange under the headings of the prayer of Jesus, the command of Jesus, and the reactions to Jesus. But this morning I want to look singly, solely at the command of Jesus that we read of in verses 43 and 44 particularly. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Out came the man who had died bound hand and foot with wrappings and his face wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Bible scholars have debated why John particularly mentions that when Jesus summoned forth Lazarus, he particularly did so, according to John, in a loud voice. In idiomatic Koine Greek of the time, it would have been understood as a shout. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! Most agree that it is particularly a loud voice in order to echo as though resounding down through the corridors of history, God's own voice, verbal decrees in Genesis chapter 1, wherein we read over and over and over again, God simply said and life erupted. And it is well known in gospel studies that correlations between John's gospel and Genesis 1 and 2 are quite evident, quite pronounced. Jesus speaks loudly and forcefully here so as to echo the command of God that assuredly promotes life in accord with the very voice of God, the voice of deity, in the creation accounts. Life here in John 11 erupts. In fact, life is restored. In fact, life is what? Resurrected. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. An amazing miracle. Christ himself, you see, John is wanting to make sure we are convinced of, is the source of real life, real living, in fact. Because the new living provided for Lazarus was not for the hereafter, 
it could move to that. But for now, in this passage, for the ongoing earthly life that Lazarus would now be enabled to continue. And he would, of course, die a second time. <laughs> Few of us have that option. Of course, it does not preclude the reality of eternal life and the post-mortem experience for all who put their trust in Jesus. But here, in this miracle of Lazarus, it is clearly the picture of new life, new living now. It is at Jesus' command that you can live right now. Are you alive? Are you living? Not just its physical body, but in all of the holistic ways, including a spiritual life. Are you alive? Or do you need to be resurrected from the dead? In your heart, in your spirit, in your relationship with God. One well-known Bible scholar who is an acclaimed expert in this Gospel of John puts it so beautifully this way. He says, the authority of Jesus is so great, had he not specified Lazarus, all the tombs would have given up their dead to resurrection life. I think that's true. And I guess it's obvious in that area there was only one Lazarus. <laughs> Jesus' power to command life is so great that had he not specified Lazarus, all of the tombs would have given forth the dead to new life. It is deliberately and provocatively in John's vernacular choices, the language of command of one with life and death authority, like a military order, or better yet, a creational order. So this is not about Jesus commending life, Jesus commanding life. Lazarus, come out. Do you want real life, real living? Seek it from the one who commands it, that is Jesus Christ. And in our work with Muslim background people, refugees fleeing, we have the great joy to say you can have a new life only because Jesus commands it. At the same time, concomitant with this, in fact, but highlighted particularly by Jesus himself, is the reality that Jesus' command is also a calling out. That is literally, according to the original language, what he says when Jesus shouts in verse 43, even though many versions translate it as Lazarus come forth, it is most literally a shout, Lazarus, Come out, Lazare duro exo, exo, come out like an exit in the original Greek of the New Testament. And what is Jesus commanding and calling Lazarus to come out of? 
Well, of course, primarily and first, out of death. He is dead and decaying in a tomb. This is why John includes the very graphic and provocative language of Mary, or excuse me, Martha, the very sister of this dead man. In verse 39, what does she say? Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead for days. That's quite graphic language, isn't it? Especially coming from a loved one, the sister <laughs> of Lazarus. You know, he's going to stink. He's, he's like really dead, Jesus. Four days. John wants us to know that this Lazarus is truly, exceedingly, completely dead. And Jesus shouts the very command of creation, come out! But it is not just a call out of being dead. As we know that the gospel writer John, while being a completely reliable historical source and accurate witness of all things related to Jesus, he is also a master with pictures and symbolism and the power of metaphor, such that we can say that this miracle account includes John's symbolic and metaphorical way so that it is depicting, yes, a literal calling out of death itself, but also more than that. It is, in fact, a call out of deadness. It is, in fact, a call out of all that is deadening, all that a completely dark and dank tomb evokes in your mind and soul and emotions where life has turned into decay. Where life has become so filled with evil and ugliness that even though a person is alive, it is though they are dead. Perhaps that is what Mehdi was hinting at. I need a whole new life. 16 years old. 16 years old, I need a whole new life. This grand miracle, you see, is a reminder that Jesus himself calls you and me out of all that is deadening rather than life-giving. Perhaps you're here this morning and you would say in your deepest honest moments, my life feels like decay. Could easily be in a tomb, simply rotting away. Jesus is the one who calls us out of death and into all that is life-giving. Eternally, yes, of course, but also right now. Do you want that? Only Jesus Christ can give you that. So I have the great privilege to say to Mehdi, to Amir, to Hadi, to Mariam, to Arafe, come out. 
to you, Susan, John, Peter, Tom, come out of all that is deadening. Only Jesus Christ can command that. But it is even yet more extensive because the metaphor in this account is also clearly alluding to how Jesus also frees us from even the trappings of death and sin. Trappings, of course, is the way we refer to the outward signs, features, or objects associated with something particular, in this case associated with death. What are the trappings of death? And the biblical reason that death intrudes to, into our experience at all, which is, according to the Bible, sin. This is why, of course, John describes the scene for us so graphically in verse 44. Out came the man who had died bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. It is a compelling picture, isn't it, of being bound up, the trappings, as the result of death, and as a result of generally sin in the world that is the underlying reason that death exists at all. But the whole point of Jesus' miracle here is to tell us and to show us that his purpose is to set us free from even the trappings of death and sin. Which is why he says at the end of verse 44, unbind him, let him go. Set him free from that which binds you up with sin and the trappings of death. It is a command from Jesus Christ whose intent is to not only give you life, but to set you free from the trappings of sin, trappings of death. Are you here this morning in a congregation of this size? I am sure there are some here today who will have to honestly admit I am wrapped up in the death culture that surrounds me. I am wrapped up in my own sin that has led me into all sorts of things that just tie me up, bind me like chains. Jesus wants to say to you, give you a command, give us a command to minister to you in such a way we can say, unbind him, let him go, free. To the people we minister to in Scotland, all Muslim background from Syria, Iraq, Iran, Turkey, Afghanistan. They know little of a relationship with God that is meant to set you free. And what a joy to say, Jesus Christ can command it. Unbind her, unbind him, let him go. I love that. Ah, uh, but did you notice one last thing 
seemingly such a small detail, but oh so important, how John, the writer of this gospel, adds a significant note when he describes Lazarus coming out of the tomb. This is how he emphasizes it. Out came the man who had died, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face wrapped around with a cloth. Why does John specify this? Why does he want us to know this detail? Why not suffice to say he was bound hand and foot with wrappings and leave it at that? Because it's a picture. It would be picturing Lazarus stumbling around because he would not be able to see. Even his face is wrapped around so as to, in effect, blind him. In great grace and love, I say to you this morning, some of you are here today and you are blind. Oh, you could see physically, but blind spiritually. This is the picture of that, bound by death, by sin, such that you stumble around because you cannot see. The message to us even today is plain and clear, isn't it, that the trappings of sin and death cause us to stumble around and to get hurt and to cause hurt because they render us blind, spiritually blind. When Jesus commands, unbind him and let him go, it includes the freedom to see again. So much of what hurts us and the hurt we cause to others in our lives comes because we're blind. We stumble around and hurt people and get hurt ourselves because we cannot see spiritually. Do you want that? Only Jesus commands can bring it about. Only Jesus Christ can set you free from spiritual blindness. And so we come back now to the story of Mehdi. Again, I'm just changing the name, and this is not being shown on live streams for protection for, for him and for his family. We come back to the story of Mehdi, only 16 years old. And the reason he was seeking a whole new life is because of this trappings of death and sin that so hurt him against his will, victimized as he was being forced into same-sex relations with very old men in retaliation toward his family because they were simply Kurdish 
oppressed, a thought to be ignorant, nobodies, and not appearing to be strict enough Muslims, Sunni rather than Shia. And so the Shia leaders to make their point to this Kurdish family for over a year required this of this young kid. Same-sex relations with a very old men in the village. No wonder he wanted a whole new life. No wonder he's a kid all by himself from a village in Iraq, Kurdish speaking to a strange city in Scotland where even English speakers cannot understand <laughs> the accent. But here's the next chapter in Mehdi's story. Just about six months ago, Mehdi came forward and knelt to commit his life to Jesus Christ. He was due to be baptized in a group of 18 on the 26th of May, but he became ill, it was not COVID, it was some sort of skin rash, and we had to say, no, you can't come into the water, that'll spread to everyone. But he's finished the Bible and baptism class, and he will be baptized in October when we're back. Last month, when I saw him just before our Bible and baptism concluding class, I asked him how he was doing. And again, with a Kurdish-speaking translator, he said to me with that kind of beautiful smile, how are you doing? He said, I really do have a whole new life. I have a new family. I have new friends. I have a new life because of Jesus Christ. Jesus commands life. He just doesn't just encourage it. He doesn't just commend it. This miracle shows how he commands it. What a miracle drama in which Jesus commands life itself to you, like Medi, like Lazarus. Jesus calls you out of all that is deadening. Jesus frees you from the very trappings of sin and the culture of death that surrounds us. And Jesus Christ can open your eyes so that you can see, fully see, with spiritual vision yet again. To me, the story of Mehdi is every bit a miracle as Lazarus rising from the dead.
Lord God, thank you for Jesus Christ's power to command life. And what a privilege it is for me and my wife Cindy and all our team to share with Muslim background people that life can be had through a relationship with God, through Jesus Christ. To share with these people that God in their life through Jesus can actually bring life, not deadness. We pray for each of them there over in Glasgow even this week. Encourage them. Encourage Mehdi to keep walking with you. And encourage each one here to know Jesus Christ as the one who commands life for them. We pray in his name. Amen.